Uh, well, uh, hey, I'm Carlo, one of the pastors here, and I get to lead us in, in looking at the Word today and our series on prophets and kings. We've been, for the last several weeks, focused on mainly the kings, checking out how they either trusted in God or really focused on their own deal and took the nation in ways that were unhelpful. Today we're going to zero in on the other side, the prophets who spoke for God to them. Remember last week, David did a great job of talking about King Solomon, how he went from wise king to playing the fool. Well, after Solomon died, things just went from bad to worse. Civil war, kings leading the people into idolatry, north and south, Kings were just, they were doing evil all over the place. We get to chapter uh, 16 and evil Ahab comes on the scene to become king. And listen to how his life is summarized. Imagine if this was how yours was. There was never anyone like Ahab, great, who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. Together they got the people worshiping this storm god, Baal. And when I'm talking worship, it was more of kind of manipulating, trying to get Baal to do what they wanted, uh, be it via sexuality, promiscuity, or violence. They would try and get him to make it rain, to get their crops to grow, and so forth. Chapter 17, enter Elijah. The first prophet, out of nowhere. You know, you're welcome to follow along in the Bible. Um, it's about a quarter of the way through, or you can follow on the screen. We get uh, very little about this man of God, but he does have a great name for a prophet. Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is God's name in the Old Testament, and you'll generally see it in your Bibles translated L-O-R-D, all capitalized, Lord. The next thing you know, Elijah treks about 80 miles up and out to the coast from east of the Jordan, and he goes up to this evil King Ahab, and he's like, knock, knock, and the King Ahab is like, and he's like, Elijah. And King Ahab says, Elijah, as in Yahweh is my God, and as the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Get wrecked. That's it. Shutting you down. That's, I mean, wow, this Baal God imposter, he thinks he's control of the rain. Uh-uh, no more. Those are, wow. Those are big words to, to utter to an evil person. I mean, imagine going up to the Taliban saying that. And then, you know, it's one thing to say something to a, to a really evil person, but, but um, to confront them and actually tell them it's not going to rain, that's a whole nother level of faith. We're going to see this cropping up over and over again this morning, this idea of stepping out in faith and seeing God work. Stepping out in faith and seeing God work. 
Well, sure enough, the drought gets severe. Things start drying up and and God sends Elijah from hiding in a ravine over to a seemingly random and dangerous place back to this area on the coast, Zarephath, which is only nine miles from Sidon where evil King Ahab lives and reigns. And then the plan gets even stranger. God tells him, I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. A widow? Why not like a a baker or a farmer? I mean, during this time in history, a, a widow, one with a small child, would have been one of the most destitute people. And then add a famine on top of that, and you're going to get food from this lady? Hmm. But Eliza, in faith, wanting to believe in God's kingdom work, steps out. Have you ever had something that you felt like you just you had to do? It was, it was in your heart. You knew it, it, it was either dangerous or uncertain, but you felt like, man, this is something I need to pursue. Well, there's Elijah. He does it. He steps into Zarephath because God's leading him there. Now picture this scene. He comes into the town and he sees this woman over there gathering sticks. And he calls out to her, "Would Would you bring me a cup of water so that I might have a drink? And, and I, I, I envision her like, just kind of, maybe, maybe a little bit of a grimace, maybe grudgingly walking away to get the water. I mean, she's, you know, consider she's, she's had a very hard life. She's served this God Baal who's really done nothing good for her. And she's had this, this foreign god appear to her and tell her she's supposed to take care of some random prophet dude. And so he shows up and, and it's, I, I wonder if there wasn't some resignation in her and some bitterness as she examines her lot in life. But she is stepping, right? She's stepping out in faith, being obedient. Was stepping. Because then, what does Elijah do? It's almost like he sees her going that first step. And so he adds, Would you please bring me a piece of bread? I I wonder if he was a little hesitant there in in going the next step. But he does. And it it almost seems like to me, now, we don't get to, we don't just interpret this scripture what it actually says, how she said it. And remember, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? Mom's how your kids say, yes, mom, or yes, mom, right? It's how you say it. So I just wonder the tone that she had as she turns to him and seems to me to just explode. It's like the the balloon just popped. It's like the last straw that broke the camel's back, and now she's just going to tell somebody. 
Now again, maybe I'm off on this interpretation, but I'm going to look at two different ways she might have said these words, and there are more. But but each one has something good to show us, and so let's let's look at this and imagine with me what it might have sounded like. As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Okay. Wow. What what did you hear there in, in, uh, in my tone? What kind of things jumped out? Go ahead and shout them out. Bitterness, attitude, resentment, anger, hopelessness. Yeah, I mean, whoa. I was hearing some resentment in there. Some exasperated, maybe a little poor me. Rightfully so. Here's the thing. What the widow said about her supplies was accurate. But she was leaving out a key ingredient. God, not her God, Baal, but the God of the universe, had invited her to step out in faith and be involved in kingdom work. And as the saying goes, where God guides, he provides. Where God guides, he provides. But, you know, did she really think that this foreign God, Yahweh, was going to ask her to provide one small meal for some random prophet dude, only to leave her destitute and have her die along with her son of starvation? Was that really the picture she saw? Seemed like it. If this was the case, I see here a misunderstanding of the character of God. If she knew the heart of God, if she knew how God felt about widows, toward the orphan, toward the vulnerable, she might have responded differently. But all she knew was a storm god, Baal, who had to be manipulated and appeased to get what she wanted. If she had read verses like the one in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, it might have changed her perception of just what God was directing her, inviting her to do. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger. Wow, what beautiful words. Friends, we must never let circumstances color our perception of God's character. Let me say it again. We must never let circumstances color our perception of God's character. God is always for us. Circumstances may change, but He never changes. His love for us is always the same. Another tone this widow might have spoken with 
conveys a, a really different emotional response. See if you can uh, capture it here. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Okay, what kind of uh, tone did I give there? What did you hear? Go ahead and shout it out. Depressed, sad, self-pity, resignation, hopelessness, double on the hopelessness. Yes. Yes. I wonder if there might be some in our midst this morning. Some mothers... Some women who really want to be mothers and haven't been able to. Some grandmas who are, are looking after their grandkids instead of the mother. Singles who haven't found that right man. Children who have no relationship with their mothers. And I wonder if there are some who feel really discouraged today. Perhaps hopeless depressed like this woman might have been. You may be able to recount a time when, when God spoke to you, when He seemed to be guiding your life, but not now. You, you kind of feel like you're picking up a couple sticks to make those last meals. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it is. Dare I say that, that some today may even have, have mused with suicidal thoughts at times. And I know that, that may seem like, wow, it's a terrible thing to, to, to say on Mother's Day. But we want to we be a community that while we do celebrate with all the moms who, who feel great and are just walking in triumph today, that we also know that there are some who are in our midst who, who may really be struggling and wrestling in this day. For me, I know uh, the thing is, we all, or at least most of us, seem to go through ups and downs. Times where life just feels really heavy. I remember a time in my own life where I was in between career jobs, remodeling a house was really slow, kids were little and they were not sleeping well and it was just hard. And I remember coming to my wife and being like, Kelly, I think, I think I'm depressed. Not just a little for a time to depressed heavily depressed. What do you do when, when you can't see a hopeful future? One thought is to step out in faith and tell somebody who cares, somebody who would listen, to open their mouth. Fortunately for this widow, Elijah was somebody who does care. 
And his faith in God was strong enough to handle her outburst, whatever it was, whether it was totally depressed or whether it was, was, was more just angry. Again, he steps out in faith and compassion. In verse 13 we read, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The very words of God and His angels. The command uttered in the Bible more than any other command. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, been, what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Elijah's response is compassionate and faith-filled. Just what a despairing person needs. But he doesn't, he doesn't just dispel the fear. Notice he gives her a step to take out of the darkness. To feed him first. To lift her eyes from herself and look to someone else and their needs. To trust God with the rest. Will she have faith enough to walk in it? My freshman year, I had the opportunity to go hang gliding with some friends. I was up here at Western, Fairhaven, and a friend of a friend knew somebody who was an instructor and would take us up there for 50 bucks a person. 50 bucks to fly like a bird. We get up there, and, and after paying our $10 non-refundable, he takes us and has the first person stand there on the hillside and start running down and out and up onto the horizon, soaring like a bird. Now I'm watching and I'm like, oh man, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Although one 1,000, there's a buck, two dollars. I've been up there five minutes. I'm going five minutes 10, 50 bucks, that, that's like $10 a minute. $10 a minute to fly like a bird? Well, for this miserly 18-year-old, that felt like too much. 50 bucks to fly like a bird? You're going to say no to that? Well, I put my feet firmly under me. I wasn't scared to fly. I just was looking at math and going, ain't worth it. It's only five minutes in the air. Dude, you paid $10 non-refundable. You, but you're going to really do this. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to really do this. Idiot. Could have flown like a bird. It's still on my bucket list. How about you? Got any hang glider out there? Elijah stepped out and invited 
the widow to trust. To get a airborne with him and, and jump onto this hang glider, fly like a bird. Did she shrink back and fend for herself and her son? Or did she step out in faith? Okay, a little audience participation moment here again. When I, when I share this verse, I want you to, to jump in with a hip, hip, hooray. Okay, three times. Ready? She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Yeah, hip, hip, hooray. They got to be involved in this amazing work of God because they both stepped out together and flew. Now, friends, I can't promise you that it's going to work out this way every time. It's going to be ending in a miracle. I mean, first of all, we got to remember, it doesn't matter how much faith you have if God ain't in it. Many a knucklehead has stepped out in faith without the leading of God and caused a train wreck. Secondly, this road of going by faith, it doesn't mean it's all going to be pretty. Jesus promised life would have many trials, bumps and roadblocks. Think about where Jesus' faith ended. On a cross. And so it's not our belief in this pretty God who, who just always makes it a happy ending, but in a God who does raise the dead. In fact, the very next part in the passage, the widow's son dies. And she questions God. And Elijah himself even questions God in that moment. But here's what I know. If we don't step out, if we shrink back and play it safe, if we exclude any options that require faith in God, we may just miss the chance to intersect with the miraculous. To be part of God's imprint in the world. Step out or miss out. My question for us would be, where do you sense an opportunity to risk in the next few months? To hang glide with Jesus. To step out in faith into the uncertain. For some of us, it, it may look like simply stepping out and talking to somebody about how we're really doing. I'm really struggling. Being honest with somebody who cares. For others, it may be making a big change, a, a job change, a 
major change in your college years. Maybe going to seminary, going, becoming a missionary. For others of us, it may be a basic thing like going up to somebody, maybe like this woman who's the widow, or, or maybe like evil King Ahab, and actually talking to him about Jesus. And you may be, oh man, I'm really afraid. But remember Elijah's words, don't be afraid. God is with you. Others may be like this widow who stepped out in faith to give of what she had and saw kingdom come, God's kingdom come. You know, perhaps you've been holding on to what you have financially because you're just like, ah, there's not going to be enough. So you're tight-fisted with it and you resisted being part of God's kingdom coming through your finances. I've heard that one of our longtime pastors, Bob Stone, used to say, it's better to live on 90% with God's blessing than 100% on our own. Better to live with 90% in God's blessing than 100% on our own. Don't be afraid. God will provide. Others may be feeling the call to step out in a relationship. Maybe to ask that girl for her hand in marriage, that godly one who you've been dating for a while. Or to have that hard conversation with, with a friend who's entangled in a toxic relationship. Or, or maybe to take a fellow mom out who's that one that just seems like she's really having a hard time. She's bedraggled, listless. Or finally, there may be some here this morning who, like this widow, have been raised with some kind of distant God like Baal, who you're not really sure is for you. But today, you've sensed the God of the universe whispering to you His care, His compassion, that He sees you and what you're going through and who you are. And his words of love, his words of rescue are such as these this morning. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Seek him. In this time, it just means coming to him, calling out for rescue, stepping forward, saying, I believe you're there. I hear you calling my name. Rescue me. I need help. I can't do this. Where is God inviting you to step out in faith? Friends, see that image of the hang glider? And envision Jesus inviting you to jump with Him. He knows what He's doing. 
to jump out and fly like a bird. There's a cost, like the 50 bucks, but it's worth it to fly with him. You know, this church is filled with people who have jumped, who have followed God in in kind of crazy ways and been involved in the miraculous, seen God do only what God does. Look at this wall over here. It's filled with our friends who have gone before us and, and are out all over the world doing crazy stuff for Jesus. People in our midst, small and great alike, are are going and we're seeing God work as we respond to Him in faith. Don't you want to see more of those stories as a church? Don't you want to see what God can do as His people say yes to Him? As we step out and go, okay God, I'm scared, but I'm going. You got me. And He will be faithful. As the worship team comes forward, we're going to respond in song. The words of this song, take my life and let it be consecrated to thee. Meaning set apart, used for you, God. Listen to these words and sing them from our heart. Take my feet and my hands and my voice and use them for your glory. Will you stand with us? Let's pray and let's sing these words. God, as we sing these words, may they not just be lip service, but may you interact with us. Your Holy Spirit, would you reach down? Would you touch hearts? Would you confirm these words that I've tried to share from your word, God? But Lord, really, if your spirit isn't at work, that these words just they fall flat. I'm asking you to, to, to breathe life into this building right now. Lord, to speak life to each person. To call us out. Call us out. small ways and great ways. Take our lives. Let them be consecrated to thee. That God's will may be done. His kingdom come. Jesus may be glorified in our midst.